This is Killing the Business Worldwide, and thank you for turning in and wherever you might be. I am your host, the ace of podcasting, Vic Muscat. He is the three-time current reigning and defending OVW Rush Division champion and known as the Hood Ninja. He, here is Isaiah. How you doing, Isaiah, sir? What's up, man? Thank you for having me on, man. Great to be here. Now, I, I have to admit, when you come on, I have friends that, you know, it's all about, you know, like comes over, it's like, you know, WWE, you know, AEW. Very rare they'll watch OVW, even though I still, I personally watch you know, the fight specials when I can, the pay-per-views when I can. I think I missed only one during the this year so far, and that was because I was taking my wife out to a date, so that's kind of lost that one. Yeah. But, uh, every time you show up, though, I always go like, the Hood Ninja's on, the Hood Ninja. Everyone's like, who? I was like, just watch. <laughs> and they'll watch like you yeah. do a disappearing act they'll do just like wait, wait, wait a second they're like so befuddled dumbfounded about you can't do that at wrestling and i was like he just did right right that part <laughs> i bianca and wwe can use her hair for against opponents but you can't disappear come on man you know we we tend sometimes to forget um especially you know when you get to the you know, a super independent wrestling fan, which I still am. Um, you know, we forget a lot of those things and theatrics that's kind of made us a fan when we were little. And mm -hmm. so to be able to grow up and uh, pull off some of these things, like I've always wanted to pull off the sting or the Undertaker vanished under the lights. So it's, it's been a dope experience, man. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. So, if so far in your career, if you had to use your journey using one word only, what would it be and why? One word to describe my journey. Um, damn, that's a very good question. I would have to go with um, uh, adventure, man. Adventure. That's the first word that comes out when I talk about road trips or, you know, things that I get to do in the, the wrestling ring anyway. So it's adventure. Was professional wrestling something you always wanted to do, or was it just an opportunity you took when it just fell in your lap? No, no, not at all. Um, I was, again, I was one of the kids, especially from my area, um, USWA, or what we call Channel 3 wrestling, wrestling. Um, that was real big here in Louisville when I was a kid. And, um, you know, the thing was, when you were a kid, you know, you watched the Saturday morning cartoons, and then... Um, I think you had to get through an episode of Star Trek or something and then wrestling for the next two hours that afternoon. And that was, that was it. You know, I knew then as a kid, that's what I wanted to do. I remember those were the good old days, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Man, I was sitting there thinking about like, damn, I'm sitting there thinking about my cousins. You sit up with a big bowl of cereal or something and y'all just kind of chopping it up. Yeah. Those, those were the times. <laughs> you didn't have to worry about getting, going to work or working out or anything and just sit there. Man, why did we want to grow up so fast? We were so dumb. I don't, I don't know why we did it. It goes even faster when you grow. I know. You have people say, I want to grow up. And then when they grow up, you're like, wait a second. No, I don't like this. But it's too late. Adulting sucks. <laughs> Unless you can um, be something extraordinary, I guess. So how long did it take you to... Your, how long did your schooling take before you got your first professional match? Um, well, it was it was kind of different back then when I was getting broke in. Um, it was a little harder, but um, we had more, 
you have more OGs and veterans than you do now in the independence that can kind of guide you and kind of raise you back, you know, the right way in the locker room. And so um, it didn't take very long, almost as soon as like, I don't even think I was licensed yet in Kentucky. You have to have a license to, you know, to be a professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I was already kind of training, doing seminars and such. And so I was kind of, you know, right place, right time, plucked out to the, you know, right from the, you know, basically from the crowd, I guess you can say, you know, we were all, I come from that era of, you know, we was the groups that started backyard wrestling and, and stuff like that. So, you know, we was already training and co-telling and, and doing what we can to, you know, kind of hang around the biz anyway. So it wasn't really long. It yeah. took me longer to be able to talk in a locker room than it is, <laughs> you know, than it was for me to actually have a match. That makes sense. It does. So tell us about your first match. Uh, very first match. Um, I was teaming with a guy named Michael Knight. He was a bouncer at a kind of a strip club here in Louisville. Um, and matter of fact, I was uh, in a match with two of my fallen brothers, um, Roland Hard and Jay Prodigy, uh, both of IWA Mid-South at the time. And um, it was definitely memorable because I was, I was nervous all the hell. Um, you know, around that time I was walking around trying to be black hardy <laughs> and, uh, it was, it was dope, man. It was, I, I believe it was in Kentucky for Joe Bailey, God rest his soul, JC's father. Um, and I'm sitting there thinking about like, man, it's crazy to think about all the people who are actually gone, uh, from that era. But, um, nervousness, if I was to watch that match back, I would just, you know, probably try to try to critique of how terrible I was, but can remember how much fun it was. Also, you got to keep in mind that this was your first match. Yeah, it didn't matter, though. I just wanted to fly. I, I just wanted to, <laughs> I just wanted to hit the, like, at those times, you know, you just wanted to pop the boys. You just wanted to pop the crowd, you know, get your shit in, kid, you know, that type of deal. So uh, it was a while before the mentality of being a wrestler, though, actually hit, though. So, yeah. Were there any moves you, when you first started school, you looked at and you were like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do it. But today, it's like second nature. Any moves? Um, Any moves? Not really. I, and and not, I'm not saying that to be arrogant, but like, man, we, you know, I come from everywhere. We're all kind of crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you got to think that we were kind of raised up in a deathmatch realm, too. Um, well, no, I take that back then because I, I used to think about, you know, as a kid, I, a power bomb. The power bomb was one of those things you watch as a kid, like, fuck, like, I don't want to be power bomb. So if I'm answering that term, yes, I guess a power bomb. But like, as you're, you know, younger and um, a little bit mature in the business, uh, as you come up, when I say younger and more mature, I mean, you're still a young guy, but you understand wrestling. Um, now you, you just, you take whatever. You know, you're, you know, you, you just trust the guy to know what he's doing, and keep you safe. And you just kind of do what you're asked, safe as possible, realistic as possible. Since you already brought up death matches, is that something you'll be willing to do if the contract and the numbers were, all, were to your liking? No, no, I'm not interested anymore. Um, I've had my taste of it. Uh, there's guys that I absolutely totally respect for doing it. I've actually had some death matches. Um, and um, you've been there, you've done that, you're set. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, 
again, I was kind of born and bred into that that era. Mm-hmm. So I still love it. You know, I'm not one of these guys who's like, oh, that's not real wrestling. No, absolutely not. Like, I love my deathmatch boys. I absolutely respect them. We have a mutual respect and bond together. They know I'll turn up. You know, there's a lot of times I've been invited to do a wrestling match at a deathmatch show, even though there's no blood or deathmatch involved. Uh, we respect and the same type of feel and energy still there. So, you know, shout out to the deathmatch world. Um but no, I mean, I got my scar, my scar slash tattoos from that, you know, and I don't mind turning it up. I don't think you have necessarily have to have a death match to get a little hardcore, um, you know what I'm saying? And to uh, break some boards, break some tables, you know, bleed a little bit. Um, but as far as the blood and guts portion for the sake of it, no, I'm not interested anymore. Well, I think that's kind of smart because you have, you watch like regular wrestling, you do someone do a new, move or something you're just like damn that was really cool whether it's OB you, gotta, you or, gotta understand too bro like madman pondo is my uncle of the business man you know i was that was him and necro butcher you know young guy in the car you know so i was kind of used to it i'm I, you know i was used to which was crazy um seeing them have to even have to glue themselves up after a match and go to the next show or or uh, have to I see the little ninja behind you that was dope yeah <laughs> yeah that's why he's just label my afternoon co-host is no point of like putting him away so much your but oh Come yeah say hi as, up, you, buddy? as you're running around without pants on you want my hat you have my hat everyone knows I'm bald so it's all right want to wave hi hi What's up, buddy? How you doing, man? He's not as big as a wrestling fan as his sister. My daughter oh, yeah. has no problems like watching wrestling. Him would be like, "Pool school's on or something." Why are we watching this? Right, right, yeah. Okay, buddy. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming, buddy. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, as I mentioned before, you see people do innovation and moves and stuff like that. The deathmatch communities the same way. I've talked to um, people from does international deathmatches that when I ask, what's the hardest weapon you ever use? And they go, a weed whacker. I don't remember a weed whacker back in the ECW days. <laughs> you know, they had the cheese grater. Weed whacker? No, That's I had crazy. a buddy, a guy rest his soul, JC Bailey. He absolutely wanted to innovate and use that spot. You know, even the deathmatch guys that was at the top of the game at the time was like, JC, you're nuts. You know, I don't, I don't get it. Um, you know, again, like wrestling has something for everybody. Um, you know, everything isn't my thing. I think the hardest thing I've ever been hit with was probably a barbed wire hockey stick. Uh, yeah, I'll get your attention. Yeah, yeah, it would, man. And it was actually one of my buddies who did it. So we were kind of. We're a little bit more stiffer with each other than, than everybody else. Besides Jeff Hardy, who would you say influences your style in the ring? Um, like, first and foremost, I have to give that to, like, um, I would have to say um, off top would have to be, like, Scorpio and before him, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Um, I like anybody from the dungeon. You know, and almost anybody that was, you know, that was trained from Stu Hart's dungeon. But as far as influence, like Scorpio was the, he was the brother that I seen on TV. Be like, oh, dude, I didn't know, I didn't even know wrestlers wrestled like that in that style. 
plus I thought he was Martin Lawrence because I don't know why when I first seen him, I was just, I don't know, it all ran together. I'm like, yeah, Martin Lawrence is cold. No, I'm just playing. Don't tell him that. Um, but no, he was um, he was pretty much my, you know, when I watched him and Jerry Lynn, him and uh, Rod Van Dam or somebody like that, you know, it would have to be Scorpio. Um, you know, he kind of broke it in for brothers like me in the business to wrestle the type of style that I do. Speaking about this, I already opened the Forbidden Door and mentioned Jeff Hardy. Yeah. What's your opinion about the um, trouble he recently got into? Um, you know, I, I see and, and read a lot of people that get in trouble in the business. I myself have been in trouble a few times in the business, maybe not to that measure, but um, I try not to have too much opinion on stuff that I don't, I wasn't there mm -hmm. and know about. I do, I, you know, I've been around Jeff and I've shared locker rooms with him. We're both JCW alumni. And um, I just, um, I don't necessarily kind of, I don't chase it. I don't storm the castle um, throwing, throwing stones from my glass fortress, if that makes sense, man. You know, you don't know what people are going through uh, that makes them go through things. So, you know, we talk about wrestling and deathmatch wrestling and stuff like that. And, you know, there's a lot of guys, which people don't know, a lot of our downtime from wrestling is coping with pain. Mm -hmm. um, and everybody has their own coping mechanisms for that pain. Sometimes, even legally, if you were actually to go to a doctor, and this is not me making excuses, this is just from what I know and how I've seen it happen before. It goes from somebody that's a wrestler that is currently in a tremendous amount of pain from the wear and tear. So, you know, they do what they can and they go to the doctor, right? And say they go to the doctor and the doctor prescribes them opiates. Let's just call it what it is. He, he, he prescribes them opiates. And the next step from opiates is street drugs or drinking with that to intensify. You never know. But in any case, you know, I just, um, you just never know who or how can be caught up um, in the realm of any of their pains and troubles or rehabilitation or drugs or whatever. You, you know, people have these vices for a reason. I think they're all this coping mechanism. Um, I don't, I just feel like it's not my place to judge somebody's downfall uh, when they're being, you know, when they're going through their own life lesson. Um, that's obviously the universe, God, or whatever you believe in kind of already manifesting the results of that so my opinion doesn't pretty much matter too much i just hope he gets better and um you know i'll always be a jeff hardy fan we were talking about this uh the other day i had mad max on a hardcore on um, in the microwave wrestler and he's like the number one thing that ticks him off is when fans say wrestling is fake yeah and I went on a little tangent like yeah was it wrestling it's like it's art you go to a show in Las Vegas, you watch Circus LA, what do you see? You see a choreographic show. Yeah, everything is predetermined. Everyone knows how the show is going to end. But the flips, the stunts, that's not, those are real. And one of, example, uh, Garrison Creed, who recently uh, ripped his bicep. Yeah, I was on that show. That was rough, man. Uh, he, and he, I, he said I, it was like a typical, like, over the top. He just grabbed the rope like he's doing a school, and it just, and I said just, the constant pounding your body takes time and time mm -hmm. again. When we get older, things start popping. Yeah, I seen him last week, man. I, you know, got the, you know he came out to the show, 
you know, and everybody was good to, you know, it was good to see him and I asked about it, but you can see, I think he might be having surgery this week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but they had said that he didn't have, um, I guess, where the tendon anchors down and supports the muscle, that didn't actually come up. So there's a good chance they'll be able to mend the muscle and it can heal right for him. And he'll be back in the next couple of months or so. Yeah, but it's like, it's just the constant. It's like anything you do, maybe you're working out, baseball, football, whatever. Still, the wear and tear of your body causes this. Like, do you see Jeff Hart jumping off, Jeff Hardy jumping off like 30 foot ladders? I mean, when I saw that, it kind of made me think you're this age, you're still doing that. How are you coping with the pain? And I guess, you know. Yeah, um, you know, coping with the pain is, is a lot of the game that people don't see, especially behind the scene. I myself, I developed the ice diaper. Um, <laughs> that's when I wear two pairs of tights and I stuff ice down all sides of it, you know. And have, and it's really, you know, what, what I had to learn from it too, it's a battle of inflammation, which is where a lot of our pain comes from. So I've had to study a lot of holistic ways. I don't like taking pills because of losing friends to uh, opioids and, and uh, addiction and things like that, or just seeing where their lives had taken them to, you know, you love them, but you got to meet people where they're at and understand that you can't always go where they go. And so, you know, I try not to let my friends lessons that they're supposed to learn be in vain. And um, I'm very holistic. Um, Tylenol and uh, ibuprofen is as far as I feel like I can go. But even then, I feel like, you know, over the counter stuff can damage you just as bad, you know, and not, you know, so it's, it's always a battle of inflammation. You know, that's what I learned about coping with the pain. As far as doing it, I can't blame nobody. You know, I can't blame Jeff Hardy or anybody for jumping off anything. Um, some of us learn more than others. It took me a great fall to kind of learn and measure to kind of reserve my body and, I pre you know, uh, take care of my bump card a little bit better because that's essentially what it is. And, um, you know, plus when you're in the moment, sometimes you don't feel that shit till later on. You know, and then when you have the heart to try to just go, go for it, uh, the crowd, what they want, you know, and then there's sometimes guys don't realize we're just wrestling for the boys and not doing what makes sense. So it's just all kind of, it's, just, it's a really big wide perspective. It's very subjective though. Yeah, like I mentioned before, I talked to deathmatch wrestlers and they said, I said, man, getting slammed in the thumbtacks must really hurt. And you say it doesn't because you're, you know, your drones pumping, you're in the match, you're just all like, in the moment, it's afterwards when they pull the thumbtacks out. That's when it hurts. During that's the when it hurts. Pulling the, pulling the thumbtacks out, um, it itches like crazy. It itches and stings at the same time. And uh, taking a shower after getting everything cleaned off, like the guys that have to wash off the lights and glass and stuff like that, that has to be the worst. Yeah. That would have to be the worst. I pulled glass out of my head for months later, and I wasn't even in the I wasn't even in the match with the lights, so you know. Of course, right? Just of course. And it's crazy, you think you know when you think about it. Like you know, even though I'm wrestling on TV and I don't wrestle that style, man, the guys that I grew up and was able to watch, like I'm a huge Nick Mondo fan. Um, like crazy, you know, Nick Mondo fan. Um, you know, Madman Pondo, of course, he's my OG. You know, uh, I can go down the line. Uh, with some guys like Matt Tremont, Schlack. I mean, fuck, bro. You know, it, there's there's some guys out here that are killing the game in that realm. 
And I look at that in perspective, like, man, that's something I can never do, but I love and respect it. I love it. You know, I like to watch it, you know, and so long as a guy's considerably okay, you know, I just figure a person can do what they want to. It's their choice, their body. How many, like on average, how many matches would you wrestle in a month? In a month? Ah, well, shit. This past month, 16 last month, and normally about, you know, about two or three times a week. Yeah. That's pretty steady work, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, we've been on tour with, uh, we've been on tour with OVW lately. And that's actually funny that you say that, man. My body actually feels pretty good, all considering wrestling, you know, three or four days in a row. Now, why is OVW called Ohio Valley Wrestling when they're located in Kentucky? I, I have know. no idea, but this is where I'm at is considered the Ohio Valley. So mm-hmm. as far as the region in the country, this is Ohio Valley region. Maybe that's what it was. I have no idea, though. Makes sense. That actually makes a lot of sense. It's just it always drove me nuts about Ohio Valley, like, but it was still good wrestling to me. I mean, I know people. Yeah, I mean, think like, the, the way our region is set up, you have Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio, West Virginia, and that whole little region, especially going down into the river. That would be to consider the Ohio Valley because west, I mean, east of us is the Appalachians. And so we would be the valley to Appalachian Mountains to the other region. So that, I mean, that's that's the only thing I can come up with. So what makes you different from the rest? As far as? Professional wrestling. Like, you know, why should people, like, turn into Ohio Valley Wrestling to watch you wrestle? That is a question I ask myself a lot of the times. But mainly I get my point across and I don't have to say a damn word most of the time. This is the most that I talk. You know, my character doesn't speak. Um, and for some strange reason, man, these these babies, man, these kids, they still love them. Some Uncle Zaya. Um, and I, I mean, being in her business as long as I have and children naturally react to that. Uh, it, it helps you to stay human and not so caught up in the business and your character and, who you, you know, who you think you are. And um, I think that. If, if anything stands out, my energy is different. My energy is very different. So when you do a wrestling event, do you prefer going to it as a face or as a heel? Or it doesn't matter to you? Um, I've spent most of my career as a baby face. I've spent most of my television career with OBW as a heel. Both are just as fulfilling. I'm glad I've learned the lessons of both. Um, the heels get to have the fun, you know, they get to do what they want. Um, baby faces are kind of straightforward. Um, but the interactions with the crowd is a little bit more fulfilling, you know what I mean? We can, if you're a good baby face, you know, not every, I guess it really depends because certain fan favorites, you know, um, nothing makes you really a heel or a face, but circumstance. And that's a psychology thing that we had to learn. Um, you know, I'm no different than what I was when I was with the legacy of brutality, um, except the circumstance in which I fight now that makes me a baby face. So we kind of got to, you know, change our mind frame on that kind of term. How is um, Steve Michaels and Big Zoe behind the scenes? Because I've had him on the show before and I see them like, you know, wearing on TV, willing to rip someone's head off like meat eaters. And when they came on, they're very like, Posh, Big Zoe just finished doing a therapy section because he was a therapist. And I'm like, no yeah. way. This is a rib. How are they really behind the ca- when the cameras are off? 
So, um, <laughs> big uh, brother bear, he laughs at all my jokes because I'm very, uh, I have a very dry sense of humor and I slip shit in when all the boys are in the back. And so he, you know, he cracks up a lot, but he's very smart. He's a very smart man. Um, Zoe, he's a frat boy. He turns back into his college stage self, but then he has this, like, I can, we consider Zoe uh, the Hank McCoy slash beast of the X-Men of the group because he has a therapist going for a doctrine. Um, and he does have a lot of um, that professional side to him. But outside, I know him outside that professional realm and he is a trip. He'll get songs and jingles stuck in your head. And yeah, he's a trip. Yeah, he, he's, uh, both of them are, uh, they might get on and try to act all professional uh, on the podcast and stuff, but I know these ninjas. And, um, you know, we're heathens when we're, when we're around each other. <laughs> we bring it out of each other. So are there any particular memories or serious situations that sticks in your mind when it comes to professional wrestling you'd like to share? Other than a naked three-year-old on my table trying to sabotage my lighting? <laughs> like I said, anything can happen. Oh, I'm in the sorry, show. man. That was great. <laughs> that was great, man. <laughs> Uh, Anything can happen on this uh, show, like I said, I embrace it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when you when you ask what stands out, do you mean negative, positively, like just whatever? Like if someone says, "What's your like some of your wrestling memories?" What would pop in your head right away? Being paralyzed for thirty nine seconds. How the heck did that happen? Uh, it happened a couple of years ago. Um, you know, you talk about those high risk maneuvers or whatnot, and I try to do a coffin drop from the top rope to the floor, overshot my opponents and uh, landed on the back of my head and neck. And it was that moment where I realized what one hit point feels like. And uh, to say the very least that my, my fight or flight kicked in and uh, my manager came over at me and I kind of looked at him and was like, hey man, I'm fucked up, but uh, don't let nobody freak out. And don't let them stop this match uh, until I was able to get myself together. Um, other than that, um, being canceled once and being set on fire in the past, I guess. Yeah, I have a few of those memories. Just those small things, right? Yeah, just the little things that stand out. Fire and racism and stuff like that. But no, other, <laughs> other than that, no, I mean, I, got, I have a lot of fun, man. Um, getting fireworks shot off by the fans at the gathering of the Juggalos. Um, you know, gosh, man, I, I mean, and honestly, I don't, I don't take none of it for granted. I sit up and kind of like sulk and kind of get into it almost every morning, you know, when I'm sitting there with my notebook trying to be creative. Um, but all of it made me who I am, man. I'm great. I'm in a state of gratitude, man. So I don't have that. Um, I don't roll off that ego energy no more that people get so used to and developed in the business that it kind of changes you and turn you into a dick. I don't, I don't really have that issue. I like being, I like being those guys that I met that I was glad that I met. You know, you, you, sometimes you go meet your hero, be like, fuck man, I wish I didn't meet him. He was kind of a dick. Like I like being cool. Like I love, I love the nerd community. Uh, a lot of the nerds, they kind of catch up on my Easter eggs that I throw out there, you know? Uh, and sometimes it's fun to have that conversation. It's dope when somebody gets it. You know, um, 
but yeah, as far as things that stand out, being hurt really bad, uh, being canceled, being set on fire, um, fireworks, fans throwing me weed in the ring. Um, there you Mexico, go. Yeah, yeah. Mexico, they threw pesos in the ring, pick you up and dry you off, fan you down. You know, it's kind of like a rites of passage, let you know you're one of them. That was cool. I got a little emotional that day. Just like, because, you know, when you're wrestling, you know how certain things work, uh, certain things stand out. That, you know, I call them Xbox Achievement Awards. You know, you get certain Xbox Achievement Awards. It was uh, very dope. Yeah. And time during your travel, have you had, have you ever been attacked by a fan or seen someone being attacked? Back in the day, I did. I don't see much of that shit anymore. Um, hell, I might have, I, I wouldn't say I attacked a fan, but I took his uh, shopping cart and launched it across the park a lot to him get the fuck out. Um, <laughs> that was at the gathering of the juggalos. He was just being a troll. Um, that was just helping him. That, wasn't, that was helping him get his stuff to his car. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Plus, uh, you know, I was outside of the ring and one, I seen uh, I seen Madman have a certain look. And once one of my OGs give a certain look, I got to do something. <laughs> but now, um, I don't, I mean, I'm not personally had a fan attack me. God forbid they ever do uh, because you should have just stayed home that day. Um, but at the same time, I'm not looking to hurt somebody or I catch charges, but I am going to protect myself. I'm going to protect the business. And if you decide to cross that rail, then you're going to have to feel how we feel our first time crossing that that rail. Absolutely. Um, 100% deserve it. But at the same time, uh, we don't live in that era anymore to where you can just kind of kind of wreck and stomp out and beat up a fan for doing that. You know, a locker room used to be able to clear out and people take on that role. But then when you think about it, sometimes they're not beating this person up out of learning the lesson. A lot of it's out of the ego, you know, and um, you can call it soft or whatever you want to, but you don't know how people are going to retaliate. They got, you know, done with a couple of mags in the car. You don't know if they got somebody that's going to pull up on you and hold up the whole building, you know, and get into some real gangster shit. You just don't know. And so we yeah, and so, you know, one thing I like about Al, man, Al Snow's really, he's really practical in his thinking, and he, he, he thinks on the bigger picture, you know, and he's let us know, and he addresses it. He, as a matter of fact, he addressed it in the last couple of weeks. He's like, guys, if somebody jumps in there, you know, I understand if you got to defend yourself, you got to defend yourself, but, you know, we don't live in an era where we can kind of go and beat them down, you know, hold them down until we get enough people to get them the fuck out of there, but, you know. Yeah. Don't, don't beat him, just stiff arm him, just you know, stiff arm in the face so he falls backwards. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, like let him know, you know, give him, give him one, you know, and hold him down. Like, the fuck are you doing? And you know, a referee get, you know, get some security and get that guy up out of there. But uh, you can't just, you can't stomp him out. But at the same time, like the video I've seen of old girl, I mean, you don't have no guardrails. <laughs> you know, you, there was no guardrails that I seen on that video. And uh, people need to understand what type of heat that they're getting. Yeah. You know, we kind of we kind of forget that saying fuck you and getting a fan to cuss us out, that's kind of a cheap heat. You know, us as professional wrestlers uh, should be able to get that type of emotion or get, a, you know, some type of emotion out of them 
without having to personally, you know, what are you looking at, buddy? Go fuck yourself and your fat ass mom and this stuff. Like, you didn't got to go that far when the whole point of being a heel is cheating to win the match. Right. And adding that type of mentality to your character. That's the heat. Other than that, you're kind of antagonizing people in a stressful, we just been through a pandemic, a race war, um, you know, all types of shit. And then you're going to antagonize people that's coming to pay their money to come see you that you want to come back to keep coming to see you, but you want to antagonize them to the point they want to fight you. It's kind of reverse business to me. Yeah. But what about, you know, social media wise, does anyone like slip through a message in the DM and it's like, you know, racist or disgusting, like really uncalled for? Oh, brother, I've been canceled before, so I've gotten it all. See, yeah. What's that? Something like that for a fans to like go DM. Um, someone that you know, Star Writer, he was on the show before, and he mm -hmm. said that people can say whatever they want on Twitter or whatever, but when you send a DM, then it gets personal. It is because you're going out of your way as a grown ass person, um, you know, to be an ass to somebody, and it's like. Where do these people get off thinking just because we're wrestlers, we owe them type of anything? You know, yeah. we don't know you. We don't. We don't fucking know you. Um, you know, there. You know, there's a lot of couch coaches, but those are also people like we're kind of bigger than that in the mentality, so we ignore it. But like, don't come at me because you know we can handle this like men, like adults, or we get us some gangster shit. I'd rather not get into some gangster shit because we're too old. I don't want to be arrested. Um, I don't want to spill anybody's blood. Uh, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody. Sometimes I want to hurt niggas, but I don't want to hurt anybody. Um, and um, my, you know, as, as far as, I don't know, you, you just, there's just different classes of people. Some people, have you ever watched Loki? Yes. Some people are variants, man. <laughs> some, pe some people are variants. Right? They have a variant energy. They don't know. Um and wrestling fans can become a mob sometimes, but at the same time, they're the ones that get publicized. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, just like it, like watching the news, you would think this world is going into hell in a handbasket. Um, but I'm in parts of town, especially on tour. These people have been beautiful to me. Mm -hmm. uh, go out of the way, they come and get gimmicks. Hey, thank you, man. You know, look, they'll let their kids come and live up on you and stuff like that. And so the good outweighs the bad to me. But then you got some of those people. It's just like, man. This person's never been punched a day in their life, but here they are talking shit because they're across this keyboard or on their little phone. You know, that's that ain't about nothing. If you had to choose one or the other, have like a five-star storyline, but the match leaning up to us a little flat, or would you rather have like a so-so storyline, but the match itself is fire, like six stars? Uh, I think something like that's very subjective. Um, but I think I know what you're trying to ask. I would rather have a build up than an anticlimactic, if that's what you're if that's what you're asking. Yeah, I rather, yeah, I would rather build up when the okay such and such storyline and have a fire ass match mm -hmm. to blow it off collectively for the bigger picture for the product than have you know. The storylines matter, but just like, then again, it's just like how you say, you got friends like, oh shit, the hood ninja's on. They're like, well, who? Like, dog, you just gotta watch it. They're not investing to the storyline, but if you was to show them a fire ass match, they might 
go look at the storyline. Oh my, my words are a little more colorful than oh you gotta watch it. He's like, he's the champ, bitch. You better give him some respect and watch him. <laughs> yeah, like, the champ. I appreciate I appreciate that energy, yo. <laughs> that's, that's like, that's how you know how it's like I figured that you know during live events, you gotta behave when you're on your keyboard, you gotta behave. But when you're home and you're paying for the event, screw that. I'm paying for the event. My friends aren't. I can see whatever I want. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's no more, no, it's not, like I said, it stays there. It's just like, you know, let's say you've wrestled someone I really liked and you beat them, and I'll be like, oh, you know, screw, you know, the Hood and Ninja, but that's yeah, it. Like, now, I, I do have a few people that are screw the Hood Ninja, but those are more or less my opponent's children. Yeah. And they're they're literally on the phone telling me this, you know, so that's kind of a joke with that guy. You know, some of some of my friends, uh, kids, you know, they don't like me because, you know, they didn't win the belt from the Ninja this week or something like that. But, you know, I, that, I don't mind that. Well, it's like there's some wrestlers out there that you might not like on TV, but you still respect. It's like the whole Sasha Banks, Naomi situation at WWE. I'm not a fan of them, but I also believe something happened that WWE did that caused them to walk out like that. It wasn't just a, I quit and walking out. Something happened. Well, and then you got to think in those type of situations, things have to lead up and lead up to things to happen like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing about wrestling too, and especially in situations like that, 98, 97% of the people that have an opinion on it wasn't there, nor experience, you know, what led up to, we hear about it, you know, in some article or, or meme or something like that. And then here we go. Everybody in their mama's um, an analyst now and putting their opinion and, and, and saying things out of some really terrible places sometimes. But again, they're unwarranted opinions. Everybody, you know, you're entitled to an opinion, but does not mean that opinion means anything because there wasn't there. Hell, I'm but a fan of WWE's first buried them. It was just like, you know, that was unprofessional what they did. That was this. Meanwhile, you heard nothing coming from them. And it's just like, with the WWE and their history of like controversial practices and what they've done, it's hard for me to say it was all Sasha and Naomi. Something happened. Um, again, I can't say either way. I wasn't there anytime that I've experienced. I'm not, I was not around in WWE long enough outside of doing an extra job or two to see the inner workers, anything to formulate an opinion. But from what I hear, what I read and understand, it's a very, um, it's a def- definitely an environment that's affecting certain people negatively, you know, versus more than others, I guess. But that, I can only go by that, you know. So what are some of the most important lessons you've learned during your career? Oh, man. That's a very good question. Um, treat people right in your age slower. Um, that's a big one. Um, don't wrestle for the boys. And what I mean by that is certain guys do indie-rific things just to pop the boys. Mm-hmm. And that's not, what we're, that's not why we're there. And the most important one that I've learned, especially here in recent years, the Hood Ninja is what I do, not who I am. 
But it's kind of hard for me to say that considering people in real life treat me like a ninja and I scare people and I pop up on them in real life. So I don't know. <laughs> um, and protect myself, you know, protect. Rule number one of the Rage Dojo is protect yourself in and out of the ring at all times, which means that the biggest lesson that you can learn is all you have in this in this business and in this life is your name and your reputation. It's not about the money. It's not about clout or who we think you are. It's your name and your reputation. And both of how you treat your name and reputation, reputation affects the people around you. So if I do something messed up, that's going to go back on not only who I work with, but who I work for. It's just like back in the day when, you know, it used to be if you was a kid and you acted up, that brought shame upon your parents type deal. So I think the biggest, hugest lesson I've ever learned in wrestling is all you have is your name and reputation. And what you do not only affects you, but everybody around you. Whose balls were you busting there on Facebook jail? Because I noticed that you were taking jab after jab yeah. on Facebook jail. As I'm like, oh, shit, he's vicious. Oh, my God, bro, bro, that's so dope you asked me about that. I can't, well, I can't wait to tell him that he was asked about it. So that's my dog. That's my homie. You know, that's, I can consider him a big brother in the hood. He's in Facebook jail and he owes me push up from like a year or two ago because we make bets on Mario Kart and uh, John Madden football and we golf mm -hmm. and uh, we won't take each other's money. Uh, but we do, you know, we have, we call them heathens, you know, he has, he has a certain amount of heathens, he has a complete and he hasn't done that. And so my, my, um, you know, where you where you call that my comeuppance from that is he's in facebook jail so now i'm going to roast him um <laughs> and once his bid is up i'll call i'll call it even so yeah that's my boy james man jake grizzly shout out to him um <laughs> that's so that's so messed up you asked me about that but yeah i'm busting his balls because he likes to roast and um it was just his turn and he's probably getting out uh, this week, so I'm ready to I'm ready to report him to send him back if he tries to roast me back. I'm gonna be petty this time around. <laughs> Five years from now, where do you see yourself? Uh, a writer, a writer for somebody, whether that be wrestling, whether it be TV, whether it be movies. I want to be a writer, a um, a gardener, and a survivalist, and a gamer. But coming up, wise things that's in the near nearer future. What do you have signed? Um, that's funny you say that. That's why I say I'm a writer, man. Uh, I've wrote a few things that's gonna get a uh, that I'm working on. It's fun. Like I got I gotta be careful how I word it because one of the things we're doing, I can't say anything. We've not gotten the okay to talk about as far as OVW collectively, but individually. Um, and over the past couple of years, I've stepped into the realm of acting and uh, screenwriting and so um this year uh the end of summer i will be um officially not you know not just an independent film but you know look forward to uh leveling up and step into the realm of acting one of my roles uh one of my tv spots as lob got me a role and so um i look forward to sharing what that is in the future we'll just say it that way is that all right Fair enough. Yeah. If wrestling, if wrestling never existed, what would you be doing? Would you be acting, writing? 
Um, acting, no, I'm a, I'm a <laughs> shit. I so I thought in high school, I thought in middle school, uh, I used to, I'm, um, gosh, I don't want to say this, but I'm going to just because we're being candid. Um, singer songwriter, basically. Yeah, I was, I love, I was, in, I was a musician, I was a singer. Uh, I would be doing that or acting. So where can everyone find you on the mass war of social media? Oh, gosh. Okay. So Xbox Live is Gamertag is Hood Ninja High. I'll be having a Twitch up soon. So I'll be willing to, you know, kind of game out and try to monetize that in my downtime uh, when I'm not on tour. Um, Hood Ninja High on Instagram and Twitter as well. Um, Hi, Zaya on Facebook. I'm locked out of my original account, but I can post from it through my Instagram for some reason. So either one of the Isaiahs, um, the most current one that me and you speak on is the one, but it's spelled the same way, capital H-Y space, capital Z-A-Y-A, um, that's at Facebook. And um, I mean, you know, Snapchat, I really don't get it on as much, but that's where the memories from me and bros on that I bust his, his balls about uh, playing the game and only push-ups. So I just have that for that in the filters. But um, yeah, man, uh, email is highflyzaya at gmail.com for any fans letters or you know questions and things like that and that's pretty much it man I, the social media wears me out you know like i'm supposed to have some other uh they want me to create fan pages and stuff like that but i'd rather be um show my entire dynamic on my highzaya page and you know instagram and, and pages regular pages it's like why can't i just put on my only this is the rest of my life you know why can't i just use my yeah but you know i honestly i think i figured out why though because some people don't know if they're talking to you as they know you or talking to your character and so some people you know depending on where you're at it's hard for them to kind of distinguish of which part of how they're speaking to so i can see part of it but they're used to it now makes sense makes sense now. Well, sir, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Good luck for your future title defendants, defenses of the Rush Division OVW title. And hopefully we'll have you back on again when you're, when some more gold, like right? there's a, a UFV, UOV, a UVW, the heavyweight championship. There's te- I mean, when you win more gold, we'll have you on again. Yeah, man. Um, from what I understand, the way that that's set up, I think, you can use these titles to become number one contenders for the next title up and the next title up. And I hear the heavyweight, I hear the Kentucky champions talking about that to get to the OBW title. So I'm wondering if I can't use the Rush Division title to get to the Kentucky title in order to get to the heavyweight title. So we'll see. We'll see, man. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. I like that, though. It's like kind of option C of TNA wrestling. You know, you surrender your title and you get a title shot next stage up. Yep. Yeah. And we'll see what happens, man. I'm uh, I'm gonna focus on keeping this one right now, though. Rush Division is my baby, so uh, I like holding it down there for a while. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. Good luck with your future title defenses. Peace, vanish, man. And I thank everyone else who checked us out today. This is killing the business worldwide, and we are off the air. Thanks, boss. Take care.